What's up, YouTube? We are live. It is February the 18th, 2018. And for, I would say, many of us across the country, it is time to start doing something outdoors in your lawn. Um, I attempted to get a head start on the year, but we've gotten a significant amount of rain over the last few days, and so my head start has turned into back on schedule. So here we are. Let's go, let's go, let's rodeo, says JW down in Nash, Vegas. How is everyone? How you doing? How do you feel? What's going on on your uh, yards? I need questions. Haven't been able to do this in, in a while where I'm taking taking questions live. So I'm excited to be back to the original format. Um, I've got spring fever in terms of what's going on in yards. So, yards, so I am super excited. My man, C.D. Andrews, how are you? Joe Foot, laundry all day. That means it's time to... Scratch that itch of lawn care, and we'll, we'll talk about it today. Michael, how are you good, sir? Jim, oh, Jimmy B, up there in Ohio? It has been. I have not seen you in a while. In fact, I haven't seen you since, uh, well, Friday. Did you learn any beard secrets from John Perry? No, I did not. Just that he has a more full beard than I do. How about them apples? But he's seven years older than me, so... Yeah, I've got a few years to catch up. Andy, what's up? Russell, how are you? Seeing some familiar faces. Feels good. Some familiar names. Um, for those of you that don't know or just tuning in, trying to get caught up, whatever the case may be. Mike in Alabama, how are you? Cigar knowledge time. I do not smoke cigars, but it, that is all you, Mr. Caesar. Um, I went to Orlando, Florida for... The Green County Fertilizer Lawn Ecology Summit, and it was uh, it was an experience. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't like to do anything that's not fun, so uh, I made a trip out of it. I had a good time. I got to meet so many different people, and uh, it was it was it was really good. That being said. I'm glad to be back to Tennessee, and I'm glad to be out on yards tomorrow. I'm super excited to be going out tomorrow. I don't know how much I'm going to get done because we're supposed to get rain. So we'll kind of play that one by ear. But already, we are going to be starting off with a great question from my man, Josh Whitaker. Deep root fertilization versus a basil tree application. All right, Josh. This is interesting. There is no, oh, there is no easy answer to that. And really, the way I'm going to steer you in this, and you may not like this question, uh, this answer, but it comes down to personal preference. 100% personal preference. Do basal tree applications work? Science is showing the potential. Yes, it is. It is. We, we are getting to that point where, where it's beginning to work. Um, there are even some fungicides that are showing some uh, basal efficacy, um, some that require the addition of a product like Pentrabark, and there are some that are not requiring things like Pentrabark. Um, if I would do anything, Josh, exactly like you said, I would do a drench. I would do a basal drench at the root flare um, because, you know, that's where they're showing you're getting the most uptake for products like imidacloprid and you're getting the farthest outreach of uptake with a product like imidacloprid. So if it were me, I would be doing a basal drench around the root flare. Um, so, you know, that's going to get on the bark and that's also going to meet um, that root flare right there. So I don't like to do like a true deep root fertilization. There is one particular deep root fertilization that I like, and that is a tool 
made by Terry Raby of AirTech Tools. Um, it's an expensive setup. But the way this works is it actually has a jackhammer and it, it, it runs off air compressor. It drives into the ground. You flip a valve and then you can eject air and it will fracture the soil. And then after you fracture the soil, you can flip another valve and then inject it with your liquid of choice. I do like that idea because you're actually fracturing the soil. You're getting it beneath the bulk of the um, root zone of any turf grass that may exist. So if you're going to do a deep root fert, I would probably steer you so towards something like that. Um, if you're not doing a deep, a true deep root fert like that, I would do more of a drench around the base of the tree or a basal application. Um, and that's where I'll kind of leave it at that because I just don't know enough about it to feel comfortable talking about it any further than that. What's your take on using a granular humic as part of a synthetic blend? Um, Andy, I mean, yeah, that I, um, I mean, yeah, that's, that's fine. That is fine. By all means, how, how, however you would like to get it out, you can get it out. Uh, CD Andrews going to try some molasses this year. When and what rates? All right, CD. Okay, so this is when I like to do it. Um, when you're entering those periods with fescue where you, you have backed off your nitrogen, um, it's beginning to get warm, and you may still have some apparent leftover, you know, uh, deadish tipped grass you know if, if you're if you're looking down uh so i like to get through that big push of spring growth so you know get through march in the april time frame i'd say towards the the middle end of april when you when every time you cut i mean you're just driving off so many clippings i would say mid-april to mid-may would be a good time frame to use a product like molasses uh, as far as rates I know you don't like ounces to the acre, but it is one pint to the acre, which would be 16 ounces to the acre. Give me just a second, and I will do that math for you. 16 divided by 43.5 is 0.37 ounces per thousand square feet. 0.37 ounces per thousand square feet. So not a lot. There's not a lot that goes out. Uh, you said atrazine isn't a great pre, but it gets all my broadleaf. If it kills my broadleaf, why wouldn't it work as a pre? Joe Foote, uh, atrazine has become uh, a victim of herbicide resistance. And as a pre-emergent, more and more of the things that it was designed to prevent are breaking through it as a pre-emergent barrier. That being said, as a chemical itself, atrazine, um, atrazine is a very good product as a post-emergent. Even then, it's not as potent as it used to be. It used to be we could spray atrazine on POA, and it did a really good job of controlling POA anyway. Nowadays, not so much. So uh, you can still get okay uh, POA control with atrazine, but it's odd. It works better at low volumes at the high rate. Um, it seems like the more carrier I have with atrazine, higher volumes, the less of an effect I get in terms of pre-emergent. So and in terms of post-emergent, so actually controlling weeds. So that being said, atrazine, um, in my experience, not getting a great pre-emergent effect. I say it's still getting a good to moderate pre-emergent effect and still getting a good post-emergent effect. And uh, so anyway, that's, that's where I'll leave it as that. What rate would you recommend doing a split app of prodiamine on tall fescue? Alan Thompson, I like um, you know a pound to a pound and a half of active ingredient per acre. That's where I like things to be on uh, prodiamine. So that would break down if you want to split it. You could do like a 0 0.65, 0 0.65. If you're using the WDG, that would be a pound to the acre. Um, if you were doing the liquid, I would say that's something like 16 ounces, uh, no, eh, 13 ounces to the acre, I believe. 13 ounces to the acre. And if you do not like 
that math. Uh, we'll break it down to per thousand square feet. That'd be 13 divided by 43.5. You're looking at 0 0.2, uh, 0.3 ounces per thousand. How about them apples? Jimmy Cox, I definitely need three chili cheese dogs. Uh, and in fact, if we ever run into that lady that we, we encountered at the airport again, I will make sure I have them in my back pocket and throw them at her. What are your thoughts? <laughs> look, at, look at Russell here. I know what's going on in your brain, Russell. What are your thoughts about the warm temperatures coming on so strong? Um, you know, it, it seems like this is happening earlier and earlier every year. I know we were at 55 degrees in soil temperature by uh, mid-March last year. And, you know, really what this is setting up is that we need to be going out with our pre's earlier and earlier. Um, and it's... Um, it's this on thing. So, you know, we're going to be expecting longer times out of our pre-emergence. We're going to have to run higher rates to get longer efficacy out of our pre-emergence. The problem is, is that we don't really have any other modes of actions to go to. So environmentally, we're being presented with conditions that are leading to herbicide resistance. Our, our herbicide management programs and um, cultural practices are also helping contribute to that herbicide resistance. So, you know, what do I think about it? Man, it's tough. I hope I hope we get some good freezes, you know, between now and the, you know, April time frame, the 1st of April. If we can if we get a 32 degree day in March at some point, that would be awesome. So, you know, it's a, it's a tough thing. We're in a tough spot and um you know, there's just not a lot we could we can do other than, you know, make sure we've got a good post-emergent in our back pocket. Um, you know, last year, it was one of those things I was concerned about. But as long as I got down my split apps pro actually, I was OK. Um, so, you know, I know you're a little further south of me and you tend to have a little more breakthrough. So I think it's just one of the things, you know, you're going to have to deal with. You know, Skip, like I, I know you use... Um, I think you go out with like a pound or uh, you may even go a little higher than a pound um, per acre, you know, with, with each application. And the fact that, that you're getting a breakthrough, you know, points to, you know, kind of the uh, situation you're in there in terms of herbicide resistance. And it's, it's just a really tough spot to be in. And I think that's going to be the time, you know, we've got to, we've got to be more prepared what we need to do in reality, too, is ask for more crabgrass controls for warm season grass. There's a lot of things that do a really good job at suppressing it, uh, but there's not a lot of good things that actually give solid, adequate control at a fair price. So you can go out with Celsius and Revolver and get it, but that's an extremely expensive mix. You can go out with Celsius, you'll ding it pretty aggressively. Are you going to get a true kill? Probably not. Um, maybe you will with... I read something down. Maybe you, uh, maybe you will if you, uh, you know, do like uh, you know, app space then app, uh, like on a two-week interval with Celsius or something like that. Josh, how do you calculate the pre-em per k when using a granular example? Nineteen oh six thirty-two percent prodiamine. Typically, there is a chart on those, um, and I think you're talking about a 0.32 percent rate. Prodiamine, not a 32%, because that would be that would be a third of the bag is just pure prodiamine, and I don't I don't know if that's possible. But um, usually there's a chart on the bag. There's a way to do the math. It would take me probably uh, the next 15 minutes to sit down and do it. I would have to write it down on paper and then turn around and show it to you. So I'm not going to do that on this video. But if you find uh, you can look up any bag of granular prodiamine label online. And as long as it has the same percentage of AI, so if it's a 0.38, then you know make sure you look up a, a, a bag of granular fertilizer that has 0.38. If it's 0.19, make sure you look up a bag of fertilizer that has 0.19, and it will have the rates on there. They usually put it in a in a table of some sort. CW is concerned about crabgrass breakthrough with the warm temps. Can I smoke the breakthrough plants in my second round with one apple chlorac? CW probably not. Probably not. There is a chance, but it's 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 one of those things, you know, that I mean it's just a tough place to be in. Um 
if you are worried about it breaking through uh, at that time frame, you probably want to consider something like Dimension. Um, run Dimension with a good surfactant, and that would probably be your better bet. Trying to get quinclorac through the canopy at a high enough rate down to the crabgrass. And, and quinclorac is one of those things where it has to be applied at exactly the right time. If it's not applied at the right time, it's pretty much a waste. Um, and quinclorac is pretty expensive, too. You know, you're, you're talking about $60 an acre, uh, $65 an acre on top of what else you're already putting down round two. So... I don't think quinclorac is the best option. Um, usually when I'm using quinclorac, I like to see a little bit more plant development. Um, what you're likely going to be going after there would be, you know, one tiller, two tiller stage crabgrass in round two. You know, in reality, even if we have crabgrass breakthrough that's taking place early, we're not going to see signs of it until May. So trying to go out with, with quinclorac in March is not going to give you that control you know, for plants that are establishing it and will be present in May. If that makes sense. Because again, quinclorac is just really bizarre about where it actually does effectively control crabgrass. Typically, when, when you're looking for it, as you're looking for it in the early stage, you know, so I would say once it's beginning to look like a mature plant where, where uh, you know, you're, you're past, you know, a one and two tiller stage where you're up, you know, to five plus uh, where it's almost beginning to look like a, a mature plant. Typically, you'll get good control then. Um, the other way is going to be late in the season where it's already a mature plant. It's, it's producing seed heads and it's hardened off a little bit. Um, that's also the other place you'll, you'll tend to get good control of crabgrass. Uh, Joe foot. I do not know about Asilox. Um, is that the active ingredient? I don't know what that is. Didn't John talk about using cut rate split apps, not being very effective. Uh, Andy, what are you talking about? John Perry talking about herbicides and, uh, split apps. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I will have to check that out. All right, let me move down here. Let's see. Let's see. Braden Khan. I believe that is my nephew. How are you, young man? Don't make me drive down there to Cleveland and put the whooping on your boy. Larson's Lawn Care. How's it going, man? How's it going? Lawnscapes of America. How are you, sir? Josh Carlson. Hey, man, I'm a homeowner, grass geek with Kentucky Bluegrass in Minnesota, looking at integrating Green County products into my organic program. Suggestions on timing of applying humic before FERDAP or at the same time. Love your bids. Thanks, Josh. Uh, I would apply it at the same time of uh, as your fertilizer. And the reason being is, okay, so when you think of carbon in general, so I'll talk about, uh, about biochar. Uh, um you know, we're working with biochar right now because it's a good place to store nutrients. It stores it really well. We go up from carbon. We start talking about things like fulvic and humic acids. Um, they do store, but, but more than storing, what they do is they provide a bridge, uh, an ease of entry into the plant. They're going to make the plant's absorption of those nutrients, NPK and miners, happening more efficiently getting into the plant. So humic acid is a bridge for your nutrients. And it does so, you know, by, by many different ways. It's opening up the soil, it's allowing oxygen. Um, it's, it's dragging things down to the root zone and then it's taking it up into the plant. So anything you need to drag down into the root zone, nutrients, miners, whatever, is what you want to apply with your humic. So I would do it at the same time. So as you plan on applying MP and K, you know, your fertilizers, that is when I would recommend you apply your humic. Think about getting some fertilizer, custom blood for round two and three. Think about doing 27010 biosolids as filler, 40 to 50% XCU. Alan Thompson, sounds like a fine fertilizer. Um, 
I guess that would be for your tall fescue. Uh, have at it, man. It will work. It will work. Juan, my man, how are you? How are you, sir? How are you, sir? Mom, what is going on? Dad and mom in the heels. That's right. That's right. Herman Owens, Matt, can you put the link in the notes for Facebook page for the lawn care blog you mentioned at the Longcology Seminar? Thanks. Yes, sir, I will. I will put that in the notes. Um, in fact, I will do that right now while we're talking about it. For those of you that don't know, if you are an in-industry professional, I'm sorry, homeowners, you will be vetted before you can join the group. This is a very, very intense group. Um, the professional lawn, care, professional lawn Care Applicators Group is a group of in-industry professionals. It is a group think tank. We bounce ideas off of each other, and we are very open with what we do. We explore new ideas. We explore marketing ideas. We explore product ideas and put it all to the test. It's really, really interesting what goes on in there. I like to write research papers. I just did one recently that I'm going to turn into a video, and that's going to be on the new product, Amp XC. Oh, there it is in the chat. Herman Owens is the link to the group. Um, Andy Burleson, I have never heard John say anything about pre-emergence. So I don't know. If he said something about pre-emergence, I wasn't listening. So I don't know. I don't know. I know that the, you know some of the newer research that's coming out about pre-emergence is saying that uh, split apps aren't as effective as single app high rates. So that may have been what he was referencing. Uh, Casey Turner, what is up, my friend? I put down oxidizon on my Bermuda football field and it rained in 30 minutes. Should I reply it? Reapply it? Absolutely not, Sigmund. That's actually a blessing. Um, so uh what okay so oxidiazon what's what's very interesting about for those who don't know oxidiazon is ronstar it's um primarily designed for sports turf athletic fields it is technically illegal to use in residential lawn care um so you uh homeowners that are looking for a pre-emergent i'm not going to recommend you use oxidiazon uh because that's against the law End of story. Okay, oxidizon in and of itself is actually non-selective as a little bit of a, of a, I won't say a post-emergent effect, but a phytotoxic effect. And it will cause yellowing. The way they talk about minimizing the yellowing is to make sure it is irrigated immediately after application. So if you had rain within 30 minutes of your oxidizon application, that is a very, very good thing. Can you share a snippet of the behind the scenes of making your own fertilizer, like the how it's made of it? So you post on the Facebook group of the bags and retreat how it's actually made. Andrew, I would, but we're going through the patent process right now. Once that is done, I definitely can. Uh, but unfortunately, right now, I have to protect that. If you want to shoot me an email, I can give you a, a, a little bit of the basis of, um, of, of how we do it. But in terms of the ingredients and the exact industrial process we go through to manufacture, I can't share all the secrets of it. Uh, but shoot me an email and I can, I can give you a little bit of a basis about it. It's, a, um, it's, an, it's, it's interesting how we do it. It's very neat. Any thoughts on the higher bricks products? I think they're good stuff. Bill, I have not done a whole lot of research into it. Um, I know Pete Denny's a big fan of higher bricks, and if he says it's good, it's good. So um, I have looked at it. I noticed the you know one of the things was that packed with micros. Um, it seemed like it was a bridge product, um, and it was was designed for. Um, Ag and it's designed as a homogenous product. So everything is that is in the bag is in one prill, and um, and so you know homogenizing a product like that is always going to improve the overall result because you get better prill distribution. Well, you do not have to rely on prill distribution. So you know in developing our own fertilizer, that was one of the big things why we wanted to use um, a. Uh, 
we we wanted to develop a, a, a homogenous product, or at least as, as much of a homogenous product as possible. Um, okay, I'm looking at it here. Humates, microbes, probiotics. Um, that's pretty interesting. The you know, probiotics is one thing I'm kind of looking into now. Um, I will not recommend anybody be going out with probiotics right now because there's just way too much out there that is bad, bad, bad stuff. And if we think about the microbiology of the soil, if we start in throwing out, uh, you know, all these different bacteria to try and get a, a result, you interrupt the natural life cycles that are taking place in that soil. And that can be extremely detrimental for an extended period of time. That was one of the problems. I hate to talk bad about organics, but I love to talk bad about organics. One of the things that ruined organics for so many people was the fact that you were putting down so many, so many, so many of these bacteria that they begin to build and build and build. And it's, you know, even if they have a million different strains in it, how many millions of different bacteria do you think are in the soil? It's unlimited. So if you're flooding it with this one particular strain or even 10 different strains and there's trillions of different strains in the in the in the biosphere then you're beginning to throw off the natural balance that takes place and there is no science out right now that says where the natural biology should be in terms of different rates so do not get too deep into the probiotic thing. If you're doing single applications of probiotics, just one, maybe one a year, maybe one every couple of years, I'm not really going to get super excited about it. But in terms of every application, stay away from it. Okay, now let me move on up here to the next course of questions. Da, 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 specifically FERT. All right, thanks. John Perry said, don't do split apps. Matt was out of the room. That was listening. All right, y'all are talking about split apps. Um, okay, I, I don't know what he was talking about, about split apps or why he was doing that. Uh, I've done split app. I never have any issue with it, so... If he and I disagree on that, we will agree to disagree. Um, does dish soap help out soil? Yes, it actually does, Kevin. And let me tell you why. Dish soap is a surfactant. It cuts surface tension. If you look at the label of dish soap, one of the ingredients you will read is ammonium laurel sulfate. I believe that's it. And what that is is a super slick surfactant. If you look at a, um, a wetting agent that's real popular in the golf course, that's usually if you have it, an area that's extremely hard and compact and the soil becomes hydrophobic, it does not absorb water well, using a wetting agent to solve that localized dry spot, that is usually ammonium lauryl sulfate. And so by applying it to the soil, what you're actually doing is you're you're dragging this this surface tension breaker into the into the into the soil and instead of the 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 water holding on and not freely flowing through the soil it bonds to the soil particles say you have a, a whole bunch of negatively charged soil particles it's going to bind up in there and keep it from perking through so when you apply a wetting agent or a surfactant, it's going to more freely flow through. Um, <laughs> I got thrown off by the chat. It's going to flow freely through the soil. You get better perking activity when you use a surfactant uh, or dish soap. So the problem with it is, is that once it dries out, it dries out. It's done. You have to reapply. So... It's one of those things. Um, any dish soap to use, I would use baby shampoo. Uh, it usually doesn't have a, as many detergents or fragrances in it, which are it's unknown how that may affect soil or turf grass. So use baby shampoo. 
knew him when he was young. Brother Bill. What's up, my brother? Now I've got my mom, my dad, and my brother on the lap stream. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. All right. What else? What else is going on in here? I want more questions. Um, in terms of, of split applications, uh, did I kill the live stream? I don't think so. In terms of split applications, the only thing I can really say about this is um, I don't understand how it wouldn't be effective. I, I, I can't, I can't figure that out unless you're not getting down, you know, okay. So if you're trying to go out and save money and say, you're trying to do like too low of a rate with, with each of your applications and trying to get it to like a half rate of prodiamine. So instead of running like a full pound per acre of prodiamine, and you wanted to try and get out and run 0.7 pounds per acre of prodiamine. And so you're running 0.35 and 0.35. Well, 0.35 pounds of active ingredient per acre may not be enough to effectively stop crabgrass. And so it's not until you get your second application down, maybe then you'll get your crabgrass control. But at that point, you've already began to lose some efficacy from your first application. And that's why you're struggling to get control even after your second application. So I feel like as long as you're running a half pound per app, you're going to be okay running split apps. So I'm going to leave it at that. I will leave it at that. We run Resolute the first round and then Dimension the second round has worked great for us. Uh, what is Resolute? Uh, I do not know it off the top of my head. Oh, okay. It's Prodiamine. Yep, yep. And then you do it second round. What rates do you run those at? I'm just curious. David Hall. Um, how much would it cost to get a sample of your biochar? Casey, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we are still screening it. We don't have an industrial screener right now like would be going in the plant. So we're having to do all of it by hand. And John Borden, who is the business developer as far as this project's concerned, is actually, um, he owns the, the, when I say it's a small screen, I mean, I'm talking about one the size of a coffee grinder. So it takes a really long time to do this. And he's been with me in Orlando. So there you go. Josh, full rate in December is definitely doable. There's more and more research being done here. And the reason the reason being is talked about doing, you know, full rate in December and then coming back and doing one maybe like in June or something. The problem is, is that the, the rate you have to apply in December is very aggressive. So we're talking about, uh, bah, 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 you know, a full 2.25, two and a quarter pounds of active ingredient that needs to be applied in December to get control the following year. And even then, you're not at 100% control. Even then, you're still only looking, I think it, was, it drops it to about 88% control. Um, so, you know, if if if, to, to, if you're doing it for budgetary concerns, yeah, you can try it. I, I would I would just plan on budgeting for a bit of post-emergent late season. Um, I honestly don't have enough faith in it to do it, um, but I don't I don't know. And one of the reasons that I wouldn't like to do it with cool season is how much germination ends up taking place over winter. And you know, as just a little bit of a of an afterthought here is. You know, where, where I was redoing that area around my garage and I was sweeping a whole bunch of seed out of my garage, um, how much of it has germinated over the last three weeks? Um, now, a lot of that was was ryegrass and also fescue, but it was one of the things I noticed when I was looking at my truck earlier today. It, it, a, a significant amount of it has has germinated. So... Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things. You interrupt that ability for it to fill in and stuff. So it, you kind of have to weigh your own pros and cons on that. But in terms of efficacy, you're only looking at, at 80% or so. Also, my RGS and air rate, and how should I incorporate it with my fertilizers? Um, Turf Life, you, you, uh, as you apply your um, – I would run the RGS first, then the air rate. 
and I would apply it at the same time with your fertilizer. So as, as you make your re regularly scheduled fertilizer application, spray RGS. As you make your second fertilizer application, spray Air 8. Put it down at rate, Turf Life. There you go. There you go. People in the chat are taking care of you. Kevin McClendon, I live in Texas. Is it be best for me to go strong with fertilizer in the spring or just wait for the fall? The drought is bad in the summer. What should I use? Kevin, let me ask, uh, are you fescue in Texas? And, and that's what it sounds like. Um, okay, so this is how I would go higher rates of fertilizer in the fall and then back them down in the spring. Um, and the reason being is that Okay, so when nitrogen enters a plant like fescue, it's, it's, it causes the plant to use up all this energy um, because, you know, nitrogen is growing all this new leaf and shoot development. And, and so if you have a lot of that in the plant and a lot of that available in the soil, all of these energy processors are, are taking place. Well, one of the requirements for this uh, energy process to take place is water. So if water is absent, what you're doing is creating an inordinate amount of stress on the plant that's already going through extreme environmental stress. So you're doubly uh, stressing the plant. So ideally, you would want to max out your fertilizer rates in the fall, whatever those rates are for you. I'm not saying run max rates, but you know your, your more aggressive fertility, you would rather take place in the fall versus the spring. My Purple Green Magnum is only putting out 20 ounces per 20 seconds on high broadcast. All the all broadcast trim nozzle outputs are low. Only spraying eight to nine foot swath on high broadcast. Replace all the diaphragms. Um, if you're only putting out 20 ounces in 20 seconds, so that would be 60 ounces in a minute. Uh, that's much too low. So what that tells me, Alan, is that, okay, there's, there's two things I would check. I would make sure your spray cable is actually opening the valve all the way to make sure you're getting all the output out of it. You can ask Josh Whitaker in Nashville about that. We fixed that on his permagreen magnum. Or the other thing would be to blow out all your lines. Um, so a, a lot of times, um, you know, leftover inert material will linger in your um, hoses and whatnot. And so uh, that'll build up, build up, cause blockages where you don't get good flow through your hoses. So what I do is I have a video about it where I'm blowing air through my lines up through the nozzle into the tank. And then I also disconnect my lines coming off the back and the front of the pump and blow air through it there. Um, is, there's a little trick to that, and that's you have to squeeze your spray trigger before you do it, otherwise you can blow a hose. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, just go ahead, pull your nozzles off, blow air through it, you know, really compressed air, like, you know, 160 PSI or something, 120 PSI, and, uh, and see if you get a whole bunch of stuff come out of there, then hook it back up, and then run it. Joe Foot needs some nuts edge help. Last spring was so dry in the spring, St. Augustine couldn't keep up with the nuts edge when the rains came. Um, okay, Joe, you can go about it preventatively. Um, in St. Augustine, I want to say Pennant Magnum is labeled for it. Um, and then when it does come up, you can do three applications of Dismiss, and that's Sulfentrazone and you would run that at four ounces to the acre and time that on like a 28 day or 30 day interval. What will happen is um, on, on, on that interval, you end up getting down 12 ounces to the acre. That is the amount of accumulation you need in the soil to make sure you're really getting a good job, as much of a kill on those nutlets as possible. So what I would do is I would do dismiss, Three ounces to the, I'm um, four ounces to the acre three times. The overall goal is to get down 20 ounces to the acre. Is to get down 12 ounces to the acre. Please do not apply 20 ounces to the acre on St. Augustine or any turf type for that. Can I get rid of violets? I've been using turf law and ester. Will anything else help out? Grasshopper, if you're not getting good control of violets with turf law and ester, are you spraying it in the spring and fall? 
you probably have a very, very, very extensive tuber system that is occurring on your property. If that's the case, double up and I would attack it with two modes of action. So I would combine quinclorac, also known as drive, with your Turflon ester. You can run your Turflon at 32 ounces to the acre. You can run your drive at one pound of active ingredient to the acre. Um, also, uh, with that combination, I would stay away from any organosilicone. I would stay away from any high power surfactants. The ester in the Turflon will take care of it. Again, Turflon, 32 ounces to the acre. Um, I just got done spraying a tank yesterday. There you go. Brandon, it was awesome meeting you at Longcology, sir. It's very good meeting you. It is opening all the way. Blow through at the nozzles. Yes, at the nozzles, and, and make sure you disconnect um, your, your, um, your lines leading into the hose and coming at, I mean, into the pump and coming out of the pump. And, uh, and then right there, so you've got a, you've got a suction line that comes in on the back side of the pump and then you got your spray line on the, on the front side of the pump, disconnect those, spray it through your nozzles out and then spray it from that line back through your nozzles. And then, uh, on your suction line, spray all that back into the tank and that should work. Uh, Alan, do not buy a Turfco or a Z. Uh, get get that get that permagreen going and and be proud of it. Uh, Josh, we're gonna end up fighting over this. How about that? How to get rid of wild onions, lone wolf? What kind of turf type are you dealing with? Yeah, I bet you are joking. That's right. I have onion in my Bermuda grass. What is the best way to get it uh, get it out without spraying Roundup? Uh, Sigmund, uh, here's a tip. Roundup does not work on wild onions very, very well. So what I would run, if you got a, a bad uh, onion problem, there's an old product called chlorosulfuron. It was known as Corsair. worked really well. I don't know if it's labeled for lawns anymore, but I would run that and a three-way. Um, if you cannot get Corsair, then I would use Manor and run it at a half ounce to the acre, half an ounce to the acre half an ounce to the acre and a rate of three-way um, and go ahead and run the three-way to 64 ounces to the acre. Make sure your Bermuda grass is mostly dormant when you spray it because that's a pretty impressive application, but it will get rid of your wild onions very, very, very well. Okay. Caesar says, what should be my prep to bring my Bermuda out of dormancy and avoid grubs? Arizona, high seventies, mid eighties here. Uh, to bring it out of dormancy is let it begin to turn green, mostly green. Um, fertilize it. Uh, I would fertilize according to your nutrient deficiencies. Um, and you know, I'd say you don't go super dormant there, but you don't get a lot of rain. So I would probably start at least a half pound. Um, and it depends. Are you, you know, how do you want to fertilize it? I mean, there's, there's a, a million different ways to skin the cat. So, you know, if you want something real simple, you know, go go get you a, a pound of uh, uh, a pound of nitrogen and and put it down. As far as avoiding grubs, uh, you can go preventatively. Have you had grubs in your area before, Caesar? If so, I would just go ahead and bite the bullet. Go get some new. Uh, go get the the product of Celeprin and put it down, and don't worry about it. You'll want to put that Celeprin down in probably May time frame. Steve Wiley says, have you learned any new trimming techniques with the PG when using your granular pre-emergence? Um, not, not really. Uh, I would say the one thing I do do is I use the, um, I use the third hole close, but I don't use the, um, the deflector shield. So I'll close the third hole, uh, leave the deflector shield up and go a little wide on my trim with the permagreen and then i go back and blow everything into those cracks that may overshoot onto fescue and stuff so right now that's the technique i'm taking i hope that's the right one look at all these people with these z spray comments man this is bananas all right lone wolf you're dealing with onions in tall fescue um okay so i would use a combination product that contains 24d triclopyr and fluoroxapyr um 
And a product like that you can get at site one called Momentum FX2. There's another one by Helena called Battleship 3. There's another one called Escalade 2. Uh, any of the products like Four Speed XT from New Farm, Cool, cool Power, Horsepower, uh, those all contain varying amounts of triclopyr, fluoroxypyr, and 2,4-D or MCPA, and they will work very, very well on onions. Lone wolf, one thing to keep in mind, onions have a dense bulb system that occurs underground, and they can lie dormant for years and years and years and years. So achieving control year after year is usually not likely. It's going to take years and years and years and years to get rid of your bulbs. That being said, um, control is possible to spray it, you know, in the fall and not have to deal with it for the rest of the season. So there you go. Matt Shears is living in New Hampshire. Good luck to you, sir. When to put down humic and where's the best online store to purchase? Um, Matt Shears, that is, man, that's like asking me the, 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 Best kind of shoes. Try lifting up deflector just a little, not all the way. It works great. I will do that, Steve. I will definitely do that. All right, Matt Shears. Okay, so uh, pick your humic flavor of choice, and the best time to put it down is the best time to put down your fertilizer. So combine your humic application with your fertilizer application. So you know, whenever it is you like to fertilize your lawn, I would time your humic application with that. Because uh, your humic is the bridge, is the delivery system of your fertilizer. That's what allows the fertilizer to make it into the plant as efficiently as possible, is the addition of the humic. So humic is a standalone product, not a big fan of. It, doesn't really, it does do something, but you're not going to see it, and you're not going to reap the, the great benefits of it. So apply your humic with your... Um, uh, with your fertilizer best online store to purchase uh, I do not know um, I would go to green county fert online uh, greencountyfert.com I'll put a link down here and I know they have a DIY homeowner section I think there's two people selling it online that I know of for sure one is going to be Alan Hayne the lawn care nut the other one would be Pete Denny with GCI turf and um I think Green County Furt has a link to both of those online stores on their website. I don't know. I do not know, though. To spray out rye in Bermuda around green up time, dealer, dealer told me Katana. Uh, one, uh, yes, you can use Katana. I don't use Katana. And the reason being is that I tend to have a longer um, effect from the herbicide from Monument. I love Monument. I, Monument is my favorite herbicide in the entire world. And the reason being is, is when, I'm, when I'm using it for uh, ryegrass control on a field or a yard that is eat up with nutsedge, and I time that application mid-May, you go out with your Monument application. Typically, I do not have to spray a weed for the remainder of that growing season in those fields or in those yards. So I love Monument beyond anything else out there. Okay, that being said, Katana is also a good product, and it will also get nutsedge. I just feel like I do not get the length of residual control from Katana that I do get from Monument. So does Katana work? Yes, works great, super fast, super fast. Um, is it my go-to? No, it's not. Monument is. Oh, Kevin McClendon's got Augustine grass. How about them apples? I have some green spots coming in now, but most of my grass is a golden color. Should I mow it down or let it all grow out and then mow? Uh, Kevin, if it needs mowed, mow it. If it doesn't, don't. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. I'll leave it at that. If it does, do it. If it don't, don't. Uh, if those if those areas that are greening up are tall enough to mow, sure, by all means, you can mow it. But you don't have to. You don't have to get out there and scalp it down to the ground. You just this is not. It's not required. You can, you can scalp it. I mean, by all means, you can you know scalp it a little bit, uh, but you don't have to take it all the way to the ground. It's not like Bermuda grass where you know you get out there in spring, mid-April, mid-March, you know, cut it as low as you possibly can. You know, get it down to like a quarter inch or something, and go put a whole bunch of ammonium nitrate on it. And watch it all fill back in. It's not like that. You don't have to do that. Um, okay. 
That is crazy. I just went 50 minutes. That's bananas. I'll ask one more time. Anybody have any more questions? Because I'm about to start wrapping this up. We're about to run into the one hour mark here. And that's usually where I like to cap things. Always, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, for uh, the Green County products, John Perry now has a YouTube channel. That is at uh, Law Oncology. You can look him up. That's Law Oncology and subscribe there. It's going to be geared more towards industry professionals, but it kind of gives an inside look at our industry, and it's pretty neat. We do a lot of cool things, and his channel is structured more like a TV program, so it's actually really interesting to watch. Uh, Van Devine, Van Deven, Van Deven, Van Van Deven, Van Deven, Van Deven Lawn Service. What do you suggest I do to Zorja Grass and Hazelwood, Missouri, St. Louis area? Wonder about first half pre-emergent fertilizer. Uh, definitely do not fertilize it with your pre-emergent. I would say that Zorja is going to be extremely dormant. So I would, uh, for a pre-emergent for Zorja Grass, you're looking at pendimethalin. You are looking at prodiamine. You are looking at dimension. You are looking at spectacle. All of those will be, Zorgia grass is tolerant of all those. Zorgia may be a little bit insensitive to spectacle, so play with that. Maybe ask some people local in your area about it. It seems to range from area to area as far as whether or not it's safe. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's time to get it down. So go ahead, get your pre-emergent, get it down. Get it down. Cat Bird Feeder, love you too. Love you too. Cat Bird Feeder's my, my good friend from Mississippi. All right, everyone. I'm going to call it. I got to get the kids to bed. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Coming up this week, if there's anybody in particular that's a, a rep or manufacturer out there, um, uh, feel free to shoot me an email at thegrassfactor@gmail.com. I would like to get them on the show and hopefully not get into a fight with them. Wait one second. American Troy, I over-applied prodiamine about double the rate. What's going to happen? American Troy, what is double the rate? I don't know what that is. If you're going out with a pound and you actually put down two pounds, then nothing's going to happen because you're still within the max rate. Uh, even if you did truly a double rate, uh, is anything going to happen? No, but you do need to be kind to your soil the rest of the year. So. Chances are probably nothing. Shoot me an email, American Troy, and we'll talk a little bit more about it in depth. Um, I've seen this happen before, and the only time I've ever seen it become an issue is when people have, uh, when they do it on sports turf where it takes just an unbelievable amount of traffic. That's when it causes damage. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, check out John Perry. Uh, coming up, if there's anybody you want particular on the show, let me know. I will fight to try and get them on, hopefully, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Coming up this week, I'm going to be out in the field a lot, so there's going to be a lot going on there. Super excited about it. Thank you again, everyone. Have a good evening. Take it easy. <laughs>